Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, the blessing it is on our hearts. Uh, Thank you for our pastor. Be with him as he is away and those that are with him. Bring him home safely. Be with us as we uh, share with each other about uh, our heart and our home. Thank you, Lord, for uh, blessing us with your son, Jesus. These things we say in thy name. Amen. Well, I don't know what the title on your page is, but the title on my sheet says, The Home is Where the Heart Is. I want to talk about home today. Uh, Ever since uh, Brother Andy had requested that I speak at tune-up today, God kind of placed on my heart the home. I mean home with big letters and bold, home. And it's on my heart. Obviously, it would be. You'll know why in shortly. This was really reinforced Sunday evening at the ordination service when Matthew Levant made a comment about Brother Andy asking him whether he would like to come home when he was asking him to think about the minister of missions position. Then Les Williams quoted the verses in Hebrew chapter 12 that I planned to use today, and I was convinced then that I was headed in the right direction for sure. Well, some of you know that within a few weeks, probably about five weeks, uh, after nearly 29 years in Belton and here at First Baptist Church, Vicki and I will be moving to a new home in San Marcos to be near our daughter Amy, who works at San Marcos Baptist Academy. I'm glad she's at a Baptist institution too. It is with a sincere belief that this is God's direction for us at this time in our life, but Obviously, with some occasional reluctance and real concern and some true sadness in leaving you friends that we love here in this place and these people, this current home of Belton and First Baptist Church, even UMHB campus, has certainly been a comfortable and a joyful and a safe haven. So having faith and belief in God's plan... And being obedient to it sometimes is challenging and interesting, and I'll say even a bit scary. Actually, if you saw our house right now, you'd think it was real scary. Everything's in a mess. Webster's Dictionary defines home as the place where one lives, where one was born or reared, a place that is thought of as home. I always thought it was curious when you're defining a word and you use that same word in the definition. It's kind of weird, isn't it? You've already heard me say that home, church, UMHB where I worked, these things all make up part of what home is all about. And I think a Christian home is more than a place. It's more than a house or a city or even a church home. It's clearly a feeling of family, joy, safety, comfort, support, forgiveness, fellowship, eternal hope, and even much, much more. You know, most of us enjoyed the movie E.T. You remember that in the 70s, wasn't it? Something like that. Uh and uh, we, we struggled at first to understand what E.T. phone home meant. 
And I mean, if you're like me, you didn't even understand what he was saying. But finally, like the kid in the movie, we understand that he wanted to call home, call home, phone home. His country, his planet, his family, his own place of safety, fellowship, and love. So I want to talk to you a little bit about home, big capital letters home today. And I apologize ahead of the time <clears throat> about using myself as an example, but my own home is what I know best. Just like each of you have your own personal story about your home or your homes that you've had. <clears throat> Vicki and I were excited nearly 30 years ago to be moving to Belton from the metropolis of Fort Worth. We both grew up in small West Texas town. For me, that is wicked. Sometimes I say Monahans. <clears throat> and for Vicky, Leveland, but her parents moved when she was a freshman in college to Lubbock. So coming to Belton was like coming home for us. We could leave campus, go to the cleaners, go to the bank, go to the post office and be back in 30 minutes. In Fort Worth, it would take 30 minutes just to get to the first place, much less to do business there. Some of you know that I was born in California. I never knew that as home. I was only there for six weeks. My dad, my mama had to have some help. She came back to Texas. You know, we were twins. My dad uh, was off to the war. And shortly thereafter was uh, on the first uh, landing at Omaha Beach in Normandy on D-Day. My mama really was one of the true Rosie the Riveters. She worked on the plane factory before we came along. So wicked, I only remember two homes when I was growing up, two houses. Wicket, where I attended elementary school, had a population of about 300. Cabot Camp, where our house really set, was one mile from Wicket. It had 36 houses, three streets, two rows of houses back-to-back -back with a alley between them. Now, Monahans, where I went to junior high and high school, had a population of about 10,000. <clears throat> you know, it's an oil town. <clears throat> I can assure you, in all of those places, everybody knew everybody's business <clears throat> and all their personal business. <clears throat> I remember in the ninth grade, my dad was promoted, and we moved across the alley to a larger house. Hallelujah. I had my own room. I didn't have to sleep with my twin brother anymore. I remember with fondness winter season. Mom and Dad kept the house cold at night, and I often kept my window cracked for fresh air. You know, I can smell that place now. <clears throat> In the spring and summer, honeysuckle and rose bushes and other sweet smells. Notice I said sweet smells. <clears throat> I can smell it now. Sometimes the air was tainted. You see, we lived only a quarter of a mile from Wicket Refinery and a mile from a carbon black plant. 
So I had lots of interesting smells to go with those roses and honeysuckle. Sometimes when I hear the mockingbirds and the morning dove outside, it still brings back fond memories of home. More important thing I remember about my home was that my aunts and uncles and cousins were all there. Ours was a close-knit community. Both good news and bad news traveled fast. If I went anywhere I shouldn't, if I did anything I shouldn't, you can bet that the news got home or at Dad's plant, and I would be punished as soon as I got home again. I could even be admonished by those aunts and uncles that I love so much. But home was full of faith, family, and friends. Those eternal blessings that President George Bush, number 41, spoke of at UMHB a few years ago. Faith, family, and friends. There are times in life when home changes. When I went off to college, my new home at Texas Tech was for three years, Thompson Hall. It's now the college infirmary. I was a resident assistant there for two years. For one semester before Vicki and I were married, home was a trailer house near campus. Uh, I remember in winter, if it froze outside, our commode froze too. <clears throat> I may be an old fogey, but I still remember being a poor college student. So what fun we had in those more simple times. And I remember getting a lot of free meals from Vicky's mom and dad's home. You know, I'll never forget my mother's face after the first time I visited home from college. Upon preparing to run to campus, I said I was going home. And I thought my mom was going to cry. Dad said she really did cry after I left. I also remember once Dad telling me that if I was going to come home, then I ought to stay at home rather than going to see my fans all the time. Mama would like to visit with me a little bit. Home at Wicket was never quite the same for me after going to college. But it was years later before I realized home was really never the same for Mom and Dad either. It became something different. You understand that, don't you? Sometimes Vicky and Amy and I went home to Wicket for my family or to... Lubbock then for Vicky's family over Labor Day or other holidays, but we realized that home in those places would never be the same again for either of us. <clears throat> there was just something already different about being there instead of here at home. In some ways, the saying you can never return home again really has true meaning, doesn't it? Vicki and I were married a year and a half before she graduated from college, and we're kind of dumb. A year and a half, a year before I graduated from college, and just a little tough. We have lived in many different homes over these last 53 years. We lived in Lubbock in a small cottage house on Sixth Place, thanks to Vicki's mom and dad, while we were teaching and I was teaching and coaching. We moved to Fort Worth and lived in a residence hall manager's apartment in O.C. Armstrong Hall at Texas Wesleyan College, the first years in my first college job. 
we lived in Forest Hill on Banbury Drive for a few years and then back to campus again to that same what we called O.C. Hall. And I recall when I was named president at Texas Wesleyan, my campus friends greeted me with a big old banner outside my office that said, from O.C. to the Oval Office. (laughs) Once again, a new home within a home. From one office to the big office down the hall. And it was big. We lived in Arlington at North Bowen Road until we moved into Texas Westland's president's home, which was on Winton Terrace in Fort Worth. It was actually nearer TCU than it was Texas Westland, right up above the Fort Worth Zoo. <laughs> That's another story. <clears throat> when we moved to UMHB in Belton, we lived on Summit Drive for six months. Then we moved into the president's home there on campus, which is now the Alumni House and Museum. Then finally to our home on Kosovo Cove for the last 10 years. Boy, what God had in store for us and all those changes in our life. Changes in home. So our home life has been much like being in the military. Some of you understand that. Moving ever so often, like every two years or something. And I imagine this story like many of you and your life and your homes, where you've lived, where you've worked, where you've played, and of course, where you've attended church. So there's a common thread through all of this, isn't there? What is home? The growing up time for me was family, friends, my teammates, teachers, coaches, scoutmasters, the community, and especially my church. Wherever we have lived, it has been family, friends, work colleagues, fellow civic club and organization members, and especially church friends. At both colleges, it was students, faculty, staff, trustees, alumni, and community friends. But remember, both of these were church-related colleges, especially the church. But because of church friends, our home has always included faith. In so many ways, faith has defined our home more than any other facet of life. So I ask you today, where is your home? What is your home? Unger's Bible Dictionary, unlike Webster's, it refers to you to family. It defines family as a unit of relationships and obligations through parents, children, and extended family. It also defines it as one of the divisions of the people of Israel, sort of like, say, the tribe of Benjamin. You know, they lived together in their tents, all in one place, surrounded by their possessions of cattle and sheep. They lived together, parents, children, grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, nephews, and nieces, all taking care of each other. But home was not confined to just relatives. They all grew together in the faith 
of their forefathers. So this leads me today to the Bible lesson. Today's message is from Hebrews, several chapters and several verses. So if you'll be patient with me while I read those verses for you. Chapter 10, verses 36 through 39. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith and take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed but those who have faith and are saved. And then chapter 11, 1 through 16. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that we have seen it was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. I say to a new home. Before he was taken, he was commended as one pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith... Abraham, when he called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith... Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people are still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who said such things show that they are looking for the country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Hadn't thought about that, had you? Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. And then chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, these are what Les mentioned. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race 
marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Home. Remember I said, wherever home was for me, it really was more about faith than just the home. Matthew Henry's commentary describes the faith of those patriarchs as defining the basis of their faith, the exercise of their faith, the difficulties and trials of their faith, the acting out of their faith, even God's support of their faith, and the rewards of their faith. Chapter 10, the trials of the Hebrew faith cause them to persevere, securing happiness. They must avoid to persevere. They must avoid the sin of apostasy, to be faithful to God's promise, to avoid the ultimate ruin that would come from disobedience. They must look to the God, look to God so as not to lose their confidence. Listen to this. It is the honorable character of just men that in times of greatest challenge or affliction, they can live by faith. Faith puts life and vigor into him. They trust God and live upon him. No matter whether they are home or moving to a new home, by depending on God, their faith can be renewed and strengthened. God will be faithful to see them through trials and tribulation and reward their faithfulness. So if we live by faith and die in faith, our souls will be safe forever. We have the promise of a new, final, eternal home. In chapters 11, the trial of their faith of these prophets and these Israelites was that they had not received the promise of a home. They acted on faith even though they had not yet received the promise. Their faith had a clear, strong eye. Most of the time they did. Their, <clears throat> they could see the promised mercies at a great distance. It was far away. They were persuaded of the promises that they were true and God would fulfill those promises. They confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on earth in a foreign land. They were strangers as saints. And their ultimate home was to be heaven. That's what Canaan was for them. They sought a new country, a new home, which in, in, later was the promised land. But during their lifetime, many of them never saw it. Faith was the substance of things hoped for, the promise of an eternal home. Enoch pleased God because God had faith in Enoch and he was a good and faithful man. Enoch's new home became a new heaven. Noah had faith in God for the things he had not seen, thanks to his obedience. 
Abraham never found the place to nail down his tent pegs permanently. He never found a place to pour a cement foundation. He never entered the promised land, even though he saw it. But I'm certain he knew about the doubt. God would keep his promises. All of these and many more we read about here looked for a new home in heaven, ultimately. And today they did so because of their faith. Do you look to a new home because of your faith? In chapter 12, the author of Hebrews offers encouragement for the living of our lives. In a true sense, the word home refers all is a place. The home in which we live and have our being, in which we live and learn to grow, all that surrounds us and influences us is home. We are often beset by unhappy influences. We're challenged by the unfaithful or the faithless. But we must run the race that God has planned for us. Look well to God's Word. The race is before us. It is marked out for us by God. But the Word and the examples of the faithful servants of God, that cloud of witnesses, speak to the hope and the promise of an eternal home. Faith and patience are conquering graces. Listen to that. Faith and patience are the conquering graces. Through these, we are able to overcome being weary. We can have the strength that He gives us. We look to the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to what Christ has suffered and did for us. Then we can persevere in any home in which He places us. The reward is a new eternal home. So may I ask you again, where has your home been? <clears throat> Not just the places where you've lived. Where is your home now? Who has shared your home? Family, friends, colleagues? What home are you now seeking? Looking beyond just today. Does your home include Jesus? Where shall your home be in the future? Your eternal home. If you're seeking a home without faith, you're lost and undone already. Because from now on, the changes in your life will become changes in your home. <clears throat> the one home on which you can depend is that home provided by Jesus Christ. It is a true eternal home. It can be with you now. We who know Christ have eternal life already, do we not? And we have an eternal home. No matter where you are, no matter where you reside, Jesus' promise is true. It will be there for you throughout eternity. Let that common thread continue for you as you continue to strengthen your current home or when you have the occasion, like me, to seek a new home. The two verses in Hebrew 12 commends us to the witness of many who have come before us. In the words of the King James Version of these verses, even though beset by sin, they ran the race of life with patience and endurance. They kept their eye on the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. 
looking forward to that eternal home, heaven. Think of the faith of Abraham, the friend of God, the father of the faithful. The ground of Abraham's faith was in his call and in the promise of God and his obedience to the call. We see the exercise of Abraham's faith as he went out not knowing whether he went. It was blind faith seeking a new home. But more especially, it was complete and full faith in God. And the support of Abraham's faith was the purposes of the almighty power of God. And the other patriarchs, faith was the same. God made the promise. They saw the land far off and they were persuaded of God's purpose. They embraced God's expectation and they gave full proof of the sincerity by their continued obedience to God's commands and His promises. Well, I don't consider that uh, Vicky and I are Sarah and Abraham, thank goodness. <laughs> but in our own love and covenant of this home in Belton, and our delight in our friends here at First Baptist, God has called, God has called us to a new home. So we're going, joyful to be near Amy, but with some anxiousness at what other purpose God has in mind for us as we go. Perhaps you see the similarity in this discussion about home to the new call that we have here at First Baptist to build a new church home. Like Noah, like Abraham, we have our detractors, we have challenges, yet we actually know where we're going. I even think we know why God has made the call. So we must be complete in our faith. We must be obedient to our call. We must have faith in God's promise to fulfill His purpose. We must be confident that God has a plan and He will reveal it in the way for His plan to unfold in His time and in His fashion. We must be prayerful and seek the leadership of His Holy Spirit as we move forward. God is strong in removing obstacles. Trust in Him. I know that moving to a new location like from your own home brings about some doubt, some fear, some anxiety. It can be trouble and it can be troubling. But God has promised us peace. Catherine Marshall said, Peace does not mean to be in a place where there is not noise, trouble, or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. John 16.33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And one final faithful servant says, God's power is great enough for your deepest desperation. You can go on. You can pick up the pieces and start anew. You can face your fears. You can find peace in the rubble or challenges. There is indeed healing for your soul wherever you go. Okay. So we seek a new home as God our promise. And Jesus is our strength. Ephesians 2.14 says, He Himself is our peace. Let us have faith. 
hope. Let us have faith. Let us love one another in the doing of the work. And like Abraham, let us look forward to the land of promise, God's own chosen home for us, his children. If saying home is where the heart is remains true, where is your heart? Where is your home? Are you following Jesus? Let him lead the way and you'll find your true home, your true purpose, a future and a new home in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that the promises you mentioned in the Old Testament are true in the New Testament. And you have reinforced it with the life of Jesus. May we look to him. May we look to you. May we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit as we go about our lives in our home and seeking our new home. These things we say in thy name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.